With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, welcome to this week's Pinkham.com Norwich City podcast. We come to you in the wake of a 3-0 defeat at Wolves. We couldn't bring ourselves to record a pod on the way home. It was a long Sunday. So we've reconvened on Monday, or once we've had a little bit of a chance to calm down, to reflect. I'm afraid it's not looking any better. The position in the table's not looking any better, but we will do our best to take it apart in the next 30 to 45 minutes or so with you guys. I am Dave Freezer, your host. We're also coming to you on Future Radio 107.8 FM. I'm joined by Paddy David and Connor Southwell. And uh, yeah, it wasn't the most fun of days, was it, Pad? Because we had a lovely little diversion on the way home. Oh, you've stolen my thunder, Dave. <laughs> I thought the most important thing of the day was the 30-minute delay on the A14. Highways agency, shocking. Symptomatic of... Uh, an instantly forgettable trip to Wolverhampton's all in all, pretty diabolical and uh, I'm fuming. I have to admit that I uh, was a little bit unaware of it because I, I don't normally do this, but I was just a little bit fed up with the football, so I thought I'm just going to chill out for an hour here, watched a series that I've been watching um, on Now TV on my, on my phone and just watched that for sort of uh, whatever it was, 50 minutes, an episode of The Newsroom, very good show if you've not watched it, and uh, then looked up as I got to the end of the episode and I was like, Pad, where are we? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not nearly back in Norfolk, we're near Peterborough. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that certainly didn't help our day and we got there a bit late as well, didn't we, because of problems on the M6, so all in all that didn't help with the mood and yeah, it's been, well, amongst the Norwich fans generally, Connor. It was a pretty dark day, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I think perhaps the only positive I can put on it is that they're in no worse a situation than, than <laughs> yeah. they were the, when when they rocked up at Molyneux, albeit perhaps with a better goal difference and um, a bit more confidence. But yeah, it wasn't a great day at all. I think beyond the first 10 minutes, it was devoid of any quality from Norwich City. I think beyond Tim Krul, it's probably hard to pinpoint a player who... Um, put in a, a decent shift uh, I mean I'm trying to think here now and, and there's not one that immediately springs to mind I think probably Tetty leads the queue but that's not exactly glowing praise of, of him um, and, it, and it was just a poor day all round a lot of uh, white flag ra- uh, waving I, I felt from on the pitch and, and it really looked to me like the first afternoon perhaps beyond Old Trafford where they've just lacked belief and, and they've lacked um, a little bit of heart I suppose at what they're doing and it feels like the confidence has gone, that the belief has gone, and um, it kind of feels like they're a squad that knows which direction they're heading in now. And um, ultimately, they've got 11 games left to, to try and salvage something. But you, you have to say, any sort of hope of a, a great escape or something miraculous is is based purely on on hope and, and and prayer, as opposed to any sort of evidence that we've seen in recent weeks. Because it's all been um, it's all been certainly from a results point of view not very positive at all so difficult afternoon difficult to know how they pick themselves up from here difficult to know how they respond um, I suppose they've got to they've got to 
go and prove people wrong now they've got to go and prove that actually they still have belief in their ability and obviously it's a, a massive test on Friday night before everyone else plays on the Saturday and I think more than anything else it was that opportunity that they missed to, to reduce that gap and, and give themselves a fighting chance but you have to say it looks pretty bleak at the moment I think and, and, and bleak for their prospects for the rest of the season Yeah, that sort of opportunity I think is what really led to the disappointment was this wasn't the Liverpool game this was you know starting again if you could get that spark Villa had lost on the Saturday they knew that they could cut that gap to safety to four points um, Watford also lost 3-0 at Man United at the same time West Ham uh, we're recording Monday afternoon they're at Liverpool tonight aren't they um, so any, that would be a massive shock if they get anything at, at Anfield so it felt like a big opportunity miss um also, I'll just say now, we've got um, some of what Alex Tetty had to say after the game that really worth listening to. We'll bring that to you a little bit later. And also, Connor spoke to Tim Closer on Friday uh, to get an update on where he is at with returning to full training from his injury. But yeah, Pad, that that sense of disappointment, that darkness among the Norwich fans, that sort of, this was the day that we really lost hope and faith. I think that was because of that wasn't it that it sensed an opportunity because Wolves had played on the Thursday night they uh, Norwich had, had all week to prepare for it and there was just that little bit of hope that if there was going to be one of the teams they could upset this was one of those opportunities yeah well I mean ultimately how many cards do they want in their favour you've mapped them all out there and and for me to come off the back of and you didn't get a point but how how Resolute and uplifting was that performance against Liverpool barely six seven days previous, and and not to at least harness the the confidence they were they were cheered off at Car Road that day to a man Daniel Farker cheered off they've lost okay but that was the level of their performance individually collectively to to go to go from that to what they showed at Molyneux which was nothing you know Daniel Daniel I don't quite know where he was coming from in his post match dissection that they started well and they were on the front foot and. You know they were the dominant team. I mean, they wasn't the dominant team at all. Let's get it straight. I mean, Wolves did what they do anyway, which is they they sit in, they counter attack teams. They're very strong across the back, whether it's a three or a five. In Patricio, they've got one of the best keepers in the division. They just sat there and quite happily allowed Norwich to play in front of them, and everything was sideways or backwards. No penetration, no guile. One chance maybe for Puki at the near post, but symptomatic of his season since the turn of the year. No no belief really. Um, Rupp had a chance but didn't want to pull the trigger on his left but that for me is the nub of it is where what has gone on in the intervening period from Liverpool then those are favourable results then Wolves playing midweek so you've got an extra upside in terms of the preparation from Norwich to turn that performance in it lowest point of the season for me that was because Manchester United as bad as they were that day United were very good and you know they've got some excellent attacking players Marcus Rashford notable among them um, so I could almost you could almost because that was an anomaly in the period that had sort of preceded that, that run um, but there's no excuses for Wolves uh, you know we saw at Carr Road Norwich were as good as Wolves for most part and probably better and it was only Patricio that day and his shot stopping ability that, that really kept them in the game and then they obviously ground Norwich down in the second half which is a theme we've seen too often you know, it's like Norwich knock on the door, knock on the door, maybe get their noses in front by the odd goal, but you never feel that they're going to go on then and and and, and put teams away. And, and inevitably, what happens is they seem to run into a mental and physical fatigue um, and manage to end up, uh, you know, contriving to lose games more often than not from having established a very strong position. So, you know, it, there's there's no way to dress it up, unfortunately. 
that is a team who are um, name only for me. You know, there was far too many individuals who didn't look like they were too bothered. Um, and okay, you know, you can look at the likes of Young Godfrey and and Jamal haven't played a lot of football, but but so there might be other factors in play. But collectively and individually, that team uh, looked like a team that would know the writings on the wall and and now unfortunately individual priorities will take over and it's about where am I going to be next season sadly yeah and that's three games in a row that they haven't scored uh, one win in 14 in the league uh, lots of horrible stats we can throw at it but let's just pause let's hear what Alex Tetty had to say when I spoke to him after the game uh, he also finishes with a bit on Emmy Buendia who we haven't mentioned yet but we certainly will be after this interview is played from Alex because he is the man that everyone's talking about at the moment You've seen everything at Norwich City. So, what, what sort of advice can you can you give to, to the young lads in this? It's a difficult situation, isn't it, at the moment? <laughs> yes, it is. At the moment, I need someone to give me advice, but yeah. because it is it is extremely tough uh, after this game. Extremely tough because I think we can do much much better. Uh, and as I said to them in there, everything that happened from 20th minute on, that that that's not that's that's that's. That's a standard individually we, we should not have in this game and I think we had um, everything from not really going 100% in first, second ball, passes, work rate, I think it was not there and that, yeah, that, that is extremely, extremely, extremely disappointed for, from our point of view today. Uh, that, that includes me, as I said, I said to them in there. Uh, I, I'm, I'm extremely disappointed to, to be one of the senior members in there and, and be on the pitch and, and, and wanting to do more but not doing more. more. It, it is extremely disappointed. Uh, you just need to put our hands up and say today we were not good enough uh, we apologise to the to the away fans and, and we need to get ourselves going again on Friday because the, what, what we did today that, that that's not good enough At the end of the day like today you know you have bad, day, bad days in football they come don't they do, do you just have to sort of leave each other alone in the dressing room or, or do you need to sort of get things off your chest quickly No I, I, I think personally to the, now I don't need someone to talk to me I don't want to talk to anyone yeah. uh, and I think that's the way it has to be I think it's individually uh, people take it differently and, 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 and for now I just want to get home as quick as possible and, and hopefully I don't know next day talk about it and just just leave it the second goal I guess is one that's particularly frustrating but the short corner because I'm sure that's one that you guys will have worked on targeted knew they were going to do they are good in the air uh, it's surprisingly the ball came and I think they got their head first to it yeah, and then we are on. all yeah we are all going out and then for some reason they have more men at the back than what we did and they scored and that and it's very frustrating. Even the first goal, we have numbers in the box and they still managed to score. The third goal as well, it's easily we can avoid that, but we did it. So it was a little unlucky the third goal, wasn't it? Because Jamal had sort of got. Yeah, to the goal. yeah, yeah. But <laughs> once again, it's the situation before it happened. Yeah. You know, uh, so yeah. Okay. Um, I won't ask you too much about your new contract because it's a wrong, wrong, wrong time for maybe, it. I think maybe I'll give it up, give that up today. <laughs> After today, maybe. 
I will have a second thought about that. But no, personally, I'm very extremely disappointed. I, I can't. This is the first time in this season that I can say, <laughs> for me personally, that <laughs> that was. That was not great. That was not great. But in terms of overall, you've signed that contract. So you obviously have faith in what the club are trying to do, the direction that Stuart's oh, going in. The, 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 the direction and what the club is doing, that's the only way for a club like Norwich. Yeah. We, we, don't, we don't have the money to, to, to buy all these big stars. You don't, you don't, you don't, there is no one behind the club. There, there are people, good, good people behind the club. And the way they are doing things is, is, the, is the only way for Norwich. You you know, uh, and Stuart is doing a fantastic job. You, they, <laughs> there can't be any other guy who can come in and and say, "Listen, this, this, this." You are getting these young players; they are developing. Uh, yes, everything takes time in football when you are young, but they, they've done well. Some of them this season haven't played Premier League football before, and, and you look at Max, Ben, Jamal; they have taken it really well, uh, and and they have to keep going. Uh, us being the Premier League, yes, they didn't count on it, but we are here, uh, and and they've decided to go the way they went about it, and there's no regret regrets about it. So you just need to keep uh, moving forward, and I'm sure uh, Stuart and, the, and Delia and, and Michael they, they know what they are doing with, with the manager as well. So uh, yes, I, I really believe in that. If not, I wouldn't <laughs> have been yeah. here and signed that contract. But so yeah. One other little thing with the contract is you're very close to moving into the top 50 all-time appearances. Um, Martin Peters is in 50th, who was a World Cup winner. So, do you, did sort of continuing to sort of really write your name into the history books for Norwich was that sort of part of your thinking as well? Really wanting to sort of leave your imprint behind with the club? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. Whenever I'm finished with Norwich, uh, <laughs> if my name is somewhere, it's it's good. But I personally doesn't does that. I don't think like that. You know. <laughs> If, if, if you're in the books, you're in the books for, uh, because of what you've done and the work you've put in. So uh, if, if I'm here and, and, I'm, and I'm doing everything to help the team and, and get games, it's great, you know. If I don't get games, I'm, I'm backing the lads up. So my, my mind is, is never on uh, records or being here to get a testimonial. Or I personally even have told Stuart I don't want to have a testimonial okay. or anything. So don't like the attention? I, I, no, no. I, <laughs> It would be too much me, 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 and that, that's not me. Uh, I'm here, I'm trying to do my best. Uh, I've always done that, and that, that's why I'm here. I'm still here. Just one from me, Alex. There was quite a bit from Daniel on Emmy before the game, and I think a lot of fans want to see Emmy starting. What, what do you make of that situation? And, and I mean, are you as players having to speak to Emmy? Because it seems like Daniel clearly wants more from him, and he's such an important player to you, isn't he? That's yeah, it is. Emmy, Emmy, with his uh, right mind <laughs> and attitude in place, fantastic player. He's shown that with us, with his uh, assist and and the way he's played with his passion and everything. Uh, not everyone is at the training ground day in day out, so you you guys don't know everything that's going on, uh, and it's the manager's right to. <laughs> he's the boss. He 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 sees things and and he handles things the way he wants to handle it. Uh, I personally talk to Emmy whenever he's done something wrong or or doesn't do anything. 
I go to him and tell him because I'm I'm not afraid to tell him, listen, you this, 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 and then. Uh, as a good lad as he is, he takes it in the right direction and he works hard. So, so this this is something that that there is no bad lad or anything going on. It's, it's just the manager sees what he sees in training and and and, 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 and body language and attitude wise, uh, and then he picks the team what what he thinks or who he thinks will do well for the team. So there's no nothing bad going on there. The, the manager. <laughs> Very, very much adore and likes Emmy's football and the way he plays. So um, he'll be he'll be quickly back back in contention again. I, I'm I'm not worried about that. So yes, interesting stuff there from Alex. A bit of an insight into the dressing room, and um, because obviously everything that's happened with Emmy, there's been a lot said, spoken, uh, written about him. He seems to be the one that everyone's talking about, and I think Alex has tried to give an impression there of what is the reality of it and and you know we all know how brutally honest Alex Tetty can be in front of a microphone sometimes it's almost <laughs> like he doesn't trust himself isn't it so we don't always get to speak to him that is the first time I've spoken to him since he signed that new one-year contract and of, of course he's joked there about perhaps he should give it back which is a little bit of dark humor on on, on a dark day you know we we see that their faces after these games don't we and and they all were so despondent so disappointed it really was a uh a bad day for them um, but from the moment the teams dropped you kind of knew that there was going to be a big story one way or the other Daniel Farker keeps Emmy Buendia on the bench third game in succession which was it should be pointed out started by him missing the game at Tottenham with a thigh injury wasn't it so it wasn't he wasn't dropped for that game which uh, I think some people seem to have missed a little bit um, yeah three games in a row that he's been a substitute he comes on with it already 3-0 um, uh, on the hour, him and Dermot are both thrown on. The big thing for me was that he didn't come on at half-time, really, or that Daniel didn't make any changes at half-time. But he decided to stick with Emmy on the bench from the from the beginning of the game. And ever since, that's really been the big talking point, hasn't it, Connor? Yeah, it has. I, I, I mean, even even when that team news dropped yesterday, I, I did feel it was it was a little bit safe. When when you think about what Daniel Farker has has done since he joined the club, uh, in in terms of the direction he's wanted to take it, in terms of embedding young talent, um, maybe not him signing the the players from from the the lower tiers of Germany, but certainly being involved in that and throwing them in and moulding a team, it, it it kind of feels like he's lost his way a little bit um, in, in in terms of how he perceives risk and and okay in the Premier League the teams are ruthless you get punished a little bit more but I think Norwich City have lost a little bit of their identity and I think this is a, a good situation that sort of shows that a little bit on the pitch in, in terms of Emi Buendia's absence because and I think Lucas Rupp has had a lot of unfair criticism this 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 weekend and he's almost a scapegoat for Emi Buendia not playing I don't think that's that's necessarily fair because it's, it's not his fault and he does offer a bit more security he does offer a bit more protection but yeah from an offensive perspective he doesn't offer you probably 10 times what, what uh, or 10 times less than, than Emi Buendia does so I, I can understand the frustration aimed at Rupp and I, and I can understand the frustration with Emi Buendia not being involved but the reality is once it, one player as good as he is and as good as his numbers are uh, however you want to contextualise them isn't going to change Norwich City's attacking output that much. And, and again, I, we can all throw the uh, creative stats that he's produced this season. Look at the goals scored that, that Norwich have this season. Their top scorer is on 11 goals, Cantwell's on six. Um, 
beyond that, we're, we're reduced to sort of two, twos and ones. So as much as Emi Buendia is pivotal and he is crucial to what they do from an attacking sense, he isn't the oracle, he isn't uh, the one man who's, who's going to change their season. They need other sources of creativity. And look, ultimately, if, if it's me and, and Emi Buendia is fit and he's available, then then I think he goes in, in the starting lineup because he's, he's one of those players. And we saw how Yota changed the game yesterday with his individual quality. Sometimes you need that, especially in the Premier League. And Buendia does have it and does possess it. But equally, he needs a bit more out of those in front of him and a bit more from those alongside him to, to chip in as well. Because you put an over-reliance on, I mean, he's still a young player, still 22, on his shoulders. And, and ultimately, that expectation is, is going to be too much for him to break through. So it's it's a difficult situation it for me. And, and again, I, they were hesitant in possession. I don't think they progressed the ball particularly well. Todd Campbell certainly tried in, in situations, but they really lacked pace. And as Paddy said earlier, penetration. He, he provides penetration, certainly, in, in, in the way he plays. He's always looking to receive the ball and, and they, they need a little bit of that confidence in possession, I think, because the, there was a... Just ponderous, I think, was the, the word that I'd used. It was, it was a little bit aimless. They, they resorted to long balls in the second half. It was um, quite attritional uh, in, the, in the second half, some of the, the balls they played, certainly in the early period. But it just feels like they've lost their way. And I think, for me now, it's, it's all about how they restore that identity that, that we saw last season in terms of free-flowing attacking football because... If not, and they, and they do go down in this way, then it's going to be very hard to take any sort of confidence or any sort of momentum into into the championship, which is pivotal. Um, you can look at Huddersfield, Stoke, as well as examples of how that can go. Uh, Wolves from, from years gone by. So it's incredibly difficult. But for me, and again, he might he may be looking ahead to the future or whatever, but in terms of restoring that, I think Emi Buendia is crucial. So for me, I'd, I'd get him back in the team as soon as possible, starting on Friday. Yeah, very good points. Um, 60% possession Norwich had in this game. <laughs> so I think certainly that last half an hour, Wolves just sat deep and, and said, go on then, you're not going to do us any damage. Crack on, boys. And they didn't, did they? I mean, 60% of possession had far more passes, but one corner, zero offsides. That basically shows that they're not getting in behind, are they? Let's just take a little step back, Cleopad. The context to all of this came from your question too, Mr. Farker, at the pre-match press conference on Friday, didn't it? Where you you sparked a seven-minute monologue from the Norwich boss, who certainly went on uh, an eye-catching rant, I think it's fair to say. Let me tell you, that's a lot of typing. People don't see the amount of transcription <laughs> I have to do when Daniel decides to go war and peace. But um, yeah, yeah, and that was, that was along the lines of as you said there earlier, he, he'd not played or he'd not started the last two league games. And also in the context of what he did against Wolves previously, why wouldn't you want to bring him back? It, it felt like the perfect opportunity to get him back in. No doubt, hoping for the reaction he got when he dropped him out before Christmas, when he came roaring back and was, well, you saw, I mean, we're talking a lot about his numbers, but you know, around that December-January period, I mean, he got shortlisted, didn't he, for Premier League Player of the Year, uh, sorry, of the month. So that underlines... Um, how well he came back into the side. So why wouldn't you want to maybe try and repeat that again? And, and what we're talking about here is they've lost their spark. You know the pilot light has gone out. So why couldn't he have provided that um, if he'd have got anywhere near his performance when Wolves came to Car Road? And we wouldn't be sit here, sat here sort of sifting through the wreckage. It'd be right. The, the, the great escape is on now. You know um, Leicester to come, close the gap, cashed in on defeats for other teams, and unfortunately. Daniel decided that it wasn't the right time to bring him back in, but 
going back to what you said at Colney on Friday, it, in a very lengthy analytical forensic breakdown, it was essentially that Emi Buendia isn't offering him what he feels is enough to influence games at this level. He can do it in the championship at 95% was the figure he quoted, but he needs to be 100% and he doesn't feel, as he says, from somebody who sees him day in, day out in training, that he is at his 100% best. And uh, because of that, we touched on it, he clearly has felt in recent games at least that Rupp offers more individually and collectively within the team unit. So I don't see it personally, not, not the situation they're in now. Daniel himself says they need six to seven wins. Is probably more than that now. Well, if you're going to need somebody to put into a team to try and win games because they haven't done that anywhere near enough, uh, then Emi Buendia is a is a shoehorn for me. Um, and I think you'd start to see a bit better from Duda. Duda seems to have um, dramatically declined since that Bournemouth debut. And let's not forget Bournemouth. It was him, Cantwell, and Buendia in tandem, um, like the Red Arrows behind Pookie, and, uh, and they were very good that day. So. I think you'd also see the uplift he would have on the players around him. And um, and I know Timu is quite rightly getting a lot of focus for his lack of goals in open play, but one thing with Buendia in the side, he would still continue to get chances. And the reality is you would think if he kept getting chances, he would eventually break that hoodoo and, and that might kick him on again. So for me, Buendia, it's not Buendia per se as an individual, it's the effect he has on the others around him. And you know, for a team who have massively struggled to score goals particularly away from home I mean they're in single figures this season the only team left in the Premier League who have yet to get double figures in terms of goals scored on the road I really don't fathom it at all um, and it's hard to see where Buenia goes from here I think uh, you know without over analysing too much but the, the recent events i.e. from what Daniel said at Colney on Friday to again Emmy not playing on Saturday to again when he did come on what he didn't do and the petulance again, the full-time whistle straight down the tunnel, not acknowledging the fans or, or or his teammates. I think we might have gone too far the other way now and it'll be a case of get to the end of the season and uh, sadly I think Emi Buendia will not be a Norwich player. Well, let's hope that things improve on that because I think that's what a lot of this frustration stems from is that Norwich fans desperately want to see Buendia play, don't they? We all know how good he is. We've all heard the creative stats. We've all seen the impact, the flicks and tricks. He's he's a special player when he's on his day and he should be the star of the show really for Norwich. So that's that's where this sort of pain is, is stemming from, isn't it? But yeah, to, uh, in my video verdict, which you can always watch after the games on our YouTube channel and Facebook page, I said that I thought it was immature the way he both the way he played but when they actually finished the game when the final whistle went he was still on his backside near the Wolves penalty area after trying to basically run through three men throw his, his hands up in the air Wolves have gone up the other end They're, they put the ball in the corner to waste a bit of time Buendia is still sat there moaning to himself and he's quite near the away fans who have made all that effort to be there he doesn't turn and applaud them he just goes straight for the tunnel, ignores everyone, absolutely raging. And to me, he's just creating himself a problem he doesn't need to there because, you know, he it's like a, a pointed decision that I'm going to storm off here. I'm going to show that I'm angry. If he just turns to those fans, holds his hands up, quick applause, and then he goes off down the tunnel, then that avoids any, you know, pundits, fans, coaches, whoever being able to have that sort of controversial line about him. Why does he do it? He, it that, that, that hints at an immaturity and that he can't, you know, um, use his emotions as, as well as he should be able to and that he's not handling the pressure of the Premier League. But we all know, one assist, one goal, 
that will flick the switch and, and hopefully or well, yeah hopefully <laughs> we'll get to see the proper Emmy Buendia again and this horrible little patch can end for him but just finally because Norwich's problems aren't only Emmy Buendia at the moment that that's not the only reason they are bottom of the table far from it the actual 30 minutes he was on the pitch Connor mm. he didn't do enough did he there was a lot of that immaturity in terms of trying to beat everyone in, on his own yeah there was yeah um, and that's that's the negative side of him isn't it I think uh, you either have to start him or, or he doesn't feature at all because I think as a substitute he certainly from the evidence of this season he doesn't look like he can contribute um, because of what you said there because of handling his, uh, his emotions if he is angry and not not playing, I think that that doesn't necessarily reflect positively in his performance. Some players need that to actually perform, um, and and he doesn't seem like one of those that's that's capable of processing it and um, using it in a different way. So uh, it's for all of his positive elements, there there are a lot of negative as well, and that's why Norwich can't be over reliant on him, and that's why they do need um, the likes of uh, Campbell has been very good for the most part this season, but particularly. Him in, in, in areas. Duda as well is another one who, since that Bournemouth uh, debut, has, has tailed off dramatically. So they do need a bit more. And, and also from, from midfield positions as well. Kenny McLean and Alex Tetty, yes, they do provide security. But Norwich need a bit more than defensive security at the moment. They actually need to go and try and score goals. And that may be points, which I'm sure we'll come on to later on, towards a, a perhaps a more technical option in in that uh, in that midfield area and, and you have to say Mario Vrancic I think is the obvious contender for that so that's a solution to it as well but Daniel Farke has to look at the wider the wider unit and I think we've all played football at various levels uh, maybe not all positively but you you higher than us I believe well, I, I, I won't go into that but I, I think when you've got a player like that on on the pitch and on your team you notice and it it does have an effect and and not not positive either I think people do notice and. Um, there are points, and we've all had that that kid in the playground that doesn't pass to anyone. It's it's kind of a bit like that, isn't it? And it is frustrating for everyone else. Um, but Buendia needs to curve it, and and if he is to go on to to reach the heights that many expect, and that he certainly can with his ability, that's something he's going to have to improve. But as I keep mentioning, he's so young, so you would hope by now he, he would have learnt to to sort of harness that a little bit. But he he hasn't have yet. Yeah, just um, well to close the Buendia segment, Pad, we did get one question in, which um, sort of caps us off nicely on Twitter from Dave Williams, who says, will the act of leaving Buendia out of the team reduce the price we get for him at the end of the season, like Oliveira? No, I don't think so. I think, um, I think clubs will look at these numbers and that they will have a value in mind. I don't think it'll... You know, by inference, there I don't think these telephone numbers I see for him or the Godfrey's in this world. You can forget that. That's that's not going to happen. Uh, there's no way those young Norwich players have done enough now for me uh, to be commanding a the type of club they're getting linked with and b the figures that are being talked. I think there needs to be a lot more realism. Stuart Webber, when we sat down with him last week, uh, made it clear. You know the big clubs don't conduct their business through, uh, you know, the gossip columns of tabloid newspapers. So, you know, dismiss, and it's very hard to do it because it feels incessant and constant, especially during the actual transfer windows. But there needs to be a lot of more realism. You know, I've seen I've seen all sorts on social media that Norwich are going to be banking 150, 200 million in the summer from selling four or five players. Not going to happen. Um, and for me... If I'm maybe Buendia, then I'm probably looking at a mid-ranking Premier League team. At this stage, uh, he hasn't done enough for me to be anywhere near a top six club. So, 
you know, that's why I thought a, a Wolves, for example, were probably yeah. harsh to call them mid-ranking. But um, but you're sort of pushing on into the fringes of the top six, fine. But um, no, I don't, I don't, because I think those clubs will have made their mind up. You can imagine Nuno Spirito when he was down here at Cow Road. It would have been, wow, who is this kid, if they didn't already know. And from that point onwards, a club like Wolves, their analysts will be going into every detail. They will know the numbers. What might be a slight issue is if they do the old character profiles and they, they can see the uh, the petulance as much as we all can. So you know there might be a, there might be a, a flag or two raised against him. But in terms of his ability, and I think most clubs will think at his age he's only going to go one way. Um, he's got the raw materials. So I, no, I don't think it, to answer the question it will affect the price necessarily by not playing for the last ten games or so. But by the same token, I think people need to be aware of the prices that maybe uh, quoted in gossip columns aren't necessarily what Norwich would be able to bank. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Right. That's the Buendia files closed for the time being. Um, I sh- will just take this opportunity to uh, remind you that this podcast is brought to you by Arch and Podcasts. And if you ever get an opportunity to leave us a review or um, a rating on your chosen podcast provider, that would be very much appreciated. And of course, we are coming to you on Future Radio 107.8 FM. You can hear us uh, on their radio station online or on the radio if you want to go old school (laughs) on a Wednesday evening. Right, next, we're moving on to the defence. And there were two changes. They were enforced. Uh, Christoph Zimmerman and Sam Byron both ruled out with injuries. Ben Godfrey, Jamal Lewis both come in. And Godfrey, in particular, struggled, didn't he, Connor? He, he was playing that right side of defence alongside Hanley, where he, he usually plays on the left of Zimmerman, doesn't he? But I don't think that was the only problem. That was maybe a cr- contributory factor. Mm. But he just he just didn't look himself, did he? He looked... Um, I don't know if maybe he's, he's not fully fit or or whether he, he's been distracted by transfer rumours and things like that, but that didn't look like the Ben Godfrey that... Um, we've seen most of the season. No, I think I think that's, that's probably the worst I've seen him play this season. If if not for in in the Norwich shirt, to be honest, um, it wasn't. I mean, you, usually he, he's the one that looks a bit more composed in possession. I, I didn't. I thought he was a bit rash. We we saw that for it with a, a Yota chance earlier on, which, which he played across to Jimenez, which which Lewis cleared. Um, and and yeah, it just it just wasn't a particularly great day for him. He looked quite sluggish and. Again, maybe match fitness is is a factor. I mean, Daniel referenced the fact he hasn't played a full ninety minutes since Leicester in December, so that that could be a factor. It's it's difficult to know without access to almost his, his physical data, I suppose. But in in terms of his performance, yeah, it, it wasn't great at all. It wasn't great, and um, again, I, I think the numbers say it all. The fact that Norwich's defence had gone from conceding one goal in in two games against Newcastle and Liverpool to to three against Wolves and looked pretty open and, and pretty exposed when, when they did uh, turn the ball over and, and did find Jimenez and, and, and Jota. Um, I think that says it all stretched. Uh, it didn't look particularly organised and again that's not his his fault. It, it was 
two new components into into a defence, I suppose, and that never um, gives you particular security and unless you're particularly well structured and Norwich haven't been defensively structured for the most part um, albeit they have improved I think recently but it was a it's a it's a strange partnership that one because it's one that they tried at the start of the season I know Hanley wasn't fully fit and it didn't quite work and they've tried it again obviously through necessity this time and um, Godfrey didn't look particularly fully fit either so it's a difficult situation because I don't think Christoph Zimmerman had been performing particularly expertly but Norwich's defence as a whole and it again comes down to this argument of individual performance over what they offer the team Norwich's defence looked more assured of him in it and, and looked a bit more physically robust I think and yes. Daniel Farker described Airily him as well yeah, yeah and Daniel Farker described him as soft yesterday didn't he and, and it, it did feel soft um, particularly that first goal where what Yotta receives in the box turns past Aaron's and, and unleashes the shot and it was it was a bit it was a bit soft and um, I'm not saying it was it was Godfrey's fault because of that, but he he was one of those defensive uh, one of those defensive players, so so he gets looked at. I don't think the shield for the defence was was particularly great either. Um, again, that that extends perhaps beyond Alex Tetty and and to the midfield generally. It just feels like the whole balance of the team wasn't quite right from a defensive perspective or an offensive perspective. And when you when you uh, think about that formula, it's not a particularly successful recipe for success, I'm afraid. And um, yeah, they. Again, it, same old story, I suppose. In many elements, they were particularly good. They, well, they had some decent passages between both boxes, but in terms of in terms of their defensive box and and the attacking box, they they didn't have enough and they weren't ruthless enough. And you get punished at this level, and it feels like they need what five chances for every goal they score, and their opponents need probably two. Um, and that is that's that's the season in a nutshell. Um, but yeah, Ben Godfrey not great. Um, Lewis probably a little bit better in his one v one v one defending, but again was part of that defence, wasn't he? So it's it's incredibly difficult, but a day a day to forget for him, I think. Didn't cover himself in glory for the first goal, Lewis. Did he got beaten by Doherty out wide? And and for me, I think they they never really dealt with Will's shape, which was sort of a three four three. But once they were in front, it was kind of like a three six one a lot of the time, wasn't it? They just absolutely packed out the uh, the midfield. Um, I'll uh, come to a pad about Lewis if he's if he's still alive. <laughs> so it's struggling a little bit with a cold, aren't you? <laughs> so, um, I'll, um, it's the most sense I've made on this podcast for the last um, God knows how long. Um, yes, Jamal comes in. I mean, there's no choice there, is it? Because Byram's season is is essentially over, um, and. It, it, he was sort of a mixture of good and bad. Actually, while you were talking there, Connor, just let you get your breath back. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned the shield in 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 defensive midfield as well. Um, <laughs> Kenny McLean, having been pretty good recently, consistent, had a real bad day, didn't he? He was. It, it just nothing happened for him, and he he just looked a bit like. I felt like that whenever I play any sport, whether it be badminton, tennis, football, golf. I've had those days where you you know you you play well one week. Golf's a good example, actually, yeah. isn't it? Because you have a good round, and then you think, oh, I might actually get into this golf, and then you, you have another round, and you're absolutely terrible. And that's what his face looked like on Sunday. He was like, "What's going on?" Mm. So, yeah, it happens to everyone, doesn't it? I think in, in whatever line you do, some days are better than others. And I mean, he's he's not the only one, is he? But I I, I don't think it was a particularly great day all round for. As I said at the the top end of the show, I didn't think there was really beyond Tim Krul. He made a, an ex well a couple of excellent saves actually from from two Neves two Neves's free kicks. Um, there weren't really many who, who stood out at all, um, and, and it, you, he was certainly towards the bottom end. I think, and 
to be fair, I think he he tends to be relatively consistent. So perhaps he ha- he has been due an off day. He's never, I don't think he's he's ever exceptional, but he's he's never. Well, I've, I don't think I've seen him as poor as that. But yeah, just just one of those days, bad day at the office, whatever you want to call it. Um, part of a, a a poor side on a on a bad day, and pretty much everything that could have gone wrong did, apart from uh, a red card or a VAR decision. So uh, yeah, there, there we go. I, I think. For for Kenny as a whole, I think again he's he's another one. I think who's been a bit unfairly criticised this year because people want to see Vrancic and they want to see more technical players. But you have to look at what he offers the team in the midfield as a whole, and he does he has offered a bit more balance in in that midfield area because Norwich did try and they did try with uh, Teti and a technical player or Tribal and a technical player, and that that came. Um, with the risk that they looked a bit less defensively solid. So I get the sacrifice, but again, it, it kind of comes back to now they're in an element where they do need to take those risks. And um, yeah, I, I fear he may not be one, or he may be one that we don't see on Friday night at the expense of perhaps someone who can do a bit more in possession. Right, Pad is fit to give us a fitness <laughs> bulletin and update because... It's his own fitness <laughs> bulletin. <laughs> well, he can start on that front. But <laughs> then, uh, the, yeah, the injuries are sort of... Um, having an impact now aren't they it sounds like uh, Zimmerman and, and particularly Hernandez could be out for a while yeah certainly in Arnell's case <coughs> excuse me um, a bit worrying that I mean basically we asked Daniel straight after the game Sunday and uh, on going into it if anybody's unaware still that Arnell had damaged his knee midweek in training um, and Daniel said there's still no final decision but having visited a specialist it sounds like he may need surgery again and that is good concerning for the simple reason it's the same knee that he was out with for three or four months at the start of the season um, which he injured in that freak accident at his home um, so if we don't see Arnell for the rest of the season and he has to have another surgery on his knee then it goes without saying that uh, you know you start to, to worry then moving forward um, but certainly not going to be it sounds like although Daniel will confirm it when we speak to him again later in the week that Arnell isn't in the mix for Leicester and Christoph, well, yeah, he went into the game um, 95% out. And as it turned out, that was accurate. And, and Daniel still says, even with a couple more days um, since we spoke to him on Friday, that he's still um, a major doubt. And, and again, you got the distinct impression that we probably wouldn't need to worry about Christoph coming into the mix, which given what you boys have just discussed about central defensive options, it, it does leave them literally down to Godfrey and Hanley again because Tim Closer isn't still back in training, as in full team training. We saw some pictures there towards the end of last week, working with the ball outside, but um, Daniel confirmed still yet to rejoin full training. That brings us maybe on nicely to, to Connor, who went and had a chat with the man himself um, before, the, before the Wolves game, but he's not going to be in the mix purely and simply for this Friday. So in terms of the broader discussion we've just had about defensively, I think it's probably looking like it's going to be the same back four and cruel again and they will certainly collectively need to be far better than they were against Wolves. Yeah, and with the main under-23s central defensive prospects all out on loan in <laughs> Fumewu, Bashiri, Odessina, um, they haven't got any cover. So they could do with Zimmerman just being on the bench at least against Leicester. And and closer really sort of comes into the conversation in terms of you look at if they even wanted to switch to a three at the back, they can't really do it. You know, Daniel did it for the last, uh, what, 20 minutes or so against Wolves and uh, Lewis was having to play there but essentially was still bombing forward as a left-back so that is a bit restrictive but as we'll hear very shortly uh, Tim Closer uh, 
closing on a return. I, I guess we're probably looking at him maybe being back in the mix after the international break, something like that. But you went and spoke to him at, at the fam, fan hub in the city centre on Friday, mm. didn't you, Connor? And he seemed like he was in good spirits. Yeah, certainly seemed that way. I think given probably all he's been through for the last year, he, he, he was certainly reflective about that and um, got the impression he, he certainly feels like he's 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 on the right side of that now, which is which is positive news for him. He's, he's at a stage in his career where he needs to play games and um, I think he's certainly a bit more optimistic about his return than Daniel Farker has been, but he does like to play things down, doesn't he, Daniel? So um, perhaps understandable a little bit. I think, yeah, the international break is, is a good shout. He said he expects to return to training either what would have been this week or, or perhaps halfway through next week which is which is excellent really considering uh, the original diagnosis was, was what till the end of the season so um, again another another quick recovery or, or quicker than expected and it would be a major boost for what the last 10 games or so if, if Norwich could get him back to, to fitness and again does give him the option to play that free which okay it was 3-0 and Wolves had taken their foot off the accelerator a little bit but they did look a little bit more solid in even with Jamal Lewis at, at effectively left centre back, didn't they? So maybe maybe that's an option for Friday because Fardy's pace and um, particularly the creativity that, that Leicester have in their midfield as well that perhaps could give them a, a little bit more. But um, yeah, they, they could do with him close to being back uh, ASAP, really. But you, you've got to be careful because they don't want to rush him back and aggravate that knee again because it has been was last season an issue and, and has been this season has robbed him really of a, of a whole season of Premier League football which is a great shame after particularly in the first half of last season what, what he offered to this Norwich side so um, it would have been nice to see him in there particularly with the defensive issues but but there you go it would be nice to see him back uh, when he does get back and yeah I would imagine that international break is, is probably the target How costly that night at Crawley was what a grim night that was Patrick Roberts hit the post Amadou and Vrancic in midfield I'm glad I wasn't there. <laughs> you weren't there, you <laughs> lucky man. No, no. We had Heiser. yeah. The lesser spotted Heiser. We uh, had a horrible night on the roads that night we as did. well, didn't we? we did. Let's have a bit of positivity from Mr. Closer. Tim, so I, I suppose the obvious question to ask you is how are you? How, how's the progress with, with the injury coming along? Um, I'm very good, thank you very much. Um, I think, you know, the injury is now uh, at its final stage and then we're looking. Uh, maybe a week, maybe one and a half, um, and then I'm, I'm hopefully fully back with the squad and, and ready to go out there again and, and compete. I, I think we we saw some pictures via the club's social media of you with a ball at your feet for the first time yesterday. What, what's it been like that feeling, getting it back? Because it must have been a frustrating few months for you personally. Well, I had the ball several times on my feet. It's just uh, it's, uh, the cameraman was there. That's the, <laughs> that, that was that was the difference. <laughs> But uh, no, it's it's obviously a great feeling to be out there again, just you know running around with, with no pain anymore, and, and has been um, a long time. I mean, uh, it's been now six months, I think, in total. Um, they told me before it could be a you know end of season uh, thing, but I'm I'm very happy that I came back, f- you know, faster, and, and and now I'm I'm looking strong, I'm looking fit, and. Um, you know, just happy to be out there again and, and looking forward to go back out with the squad. From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. Right, let's see if we can squeeze a little bit more juice out of Pad before he goes back to his sick bed. <laughs> um, you were able to have a lengthy sit down with 
none other than Norwich City Sporting Director Stuart Webber. Exclusive chat with him last week. A long one, lots covered, and some really interesting stuff to come out of that. Essentially admitting that he's let Daniel down in in some ways. Yeah, I mean, he's known for being open and honest, but even by Stuart Webber's standards, I thought that was that was a pretty big admission that um, essentially that and, and obviously he probably was anticipating the questioning given that Pratchett Roberts and Ibrahim Hamadou were two low moves that clearly didn't work uh, that that window wasn't good enough and as as the figurehead for the club particularly on the recruitment side he took up ultimate responsibility he said he was quite happy to, to do so and anybody wants to point fingers he, he would accept that um, and really I, I suppose if you want to underpin the whole of this podcast, pretty much everything we've talked about is they haven't had a squad fit for purpose for what they needed in the Premier League. Um, and that really maybe does take it right back to a summer that wasn't good enough. Uh, allied to, obviously, the restrictions they had financially. We all know they've been well documented under the self-funded model. But even within that, they would have had opportunities to do business and and Stuart himself doesn't feel they did the right business. Um and we'll never know now. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, but you know if, they, if they've got the right signings in, and of course Sam Byram has been a big hit, and that nobody could dispute that that's a fine piece of business that they did there. But Josip Dermic came in then as well. That's not really worked out. You would have to say maybe a little bit uncharitable given his injury issues. But Ralph Farman, well, he's come in, and, and Tim Krul has, has remained the number one. So yeah, I, I don't think anybody would dispute Stuart Webber's assertion that. Uh, the recruitment wasn't right and, and as a result um, they didn't really have a squad um, with the depth or the quality to be able to uh, hope for more than what they've delivered um, so yeah that was probably the, the headline uh, part of that interview but you know it was very I, I always think with him you know if if I was a Norwich City supporter I'd be very happy that he, he was at the, at the helm of my club because um you know, you only have to go back to one or two other predecessors in his sort of roles, chief exec slash managing director, to know that Norwich haven't always been in the best of hands um, in terms of some of the decision making off the off the park, and and it's so crucial. You know, let's not, and this includes Daniel as well. Daniel rightly is being criticised um, more so after the Wolves no show, but you know, but for those two guys. Norwich fans wouldn't have had a season of Premier League football because what they did in the Championship with that group of players under those financial restrictions was nothing short of remarkable. And and I would use the word which Daniel uses a lot. It is a, it was a miracle. It was a footballing miracle to get that group of players having finished fifteenth in the Championship in their first season with all the attendant financial issues and the drag off the pitch to get them to the Championship title was a phenomenal effort. And they're probably now discovering that how big a, a gulf that is on and off the park and, and, and is it any wonder that two guys having their first tilt at the Premier League both on and off the pitch have maybe been found want, wanting in certain areas but I would still think moving it forward that they've proven just in their period of time at Carrow Road that um, you know, they are fast learners and they do have a clear objective where they want to take this club and it, it still feels for me despite the frustrations this season um, it feels quite an exciting sort of direction of travel you know the whole thing about the infrastructure improvements at Colney the sustainability going on there the, the emphasis on youth players the willingness of Daniel Farker to play youth players you know look Max I mean Stuart said in that interview actually I think I'll get this right now he said 
the three years they've been here at the club, him and Daniel, 2017 onwards, there's been more academy minutes on the pitch in that three years than in the previous 15 years. You know, if if you've got a self-sustainable or self-funded model, that to me is is a, is a mark of success. And, and I think Norwich fans, while hugely frustrated at the minute, while probably accepting the inevitable that they'll be back in the championship, should in the round, because there's plenty of other examples littered across the Football League of clubs that are train wrecks, I think they should be pretty thankful that they've got Webber and Farker at the helm and not not excuse the deficiencies, which Stuart himself in that interview um, you know, quite honestly and openly admitted, or Daniel for that matter, not, not excuse that, but just accept the environment they've been dealing in this season and how tough it's been and that if they go back down, they've said it all along, it's no mystery, they aim to establish this club as a top 26. Well, by definition, if you aim to establish your club as a top 26 in this country, you're essentially saying until you break that cycle, you're either going to be in the top division, top 20, or you're going to be a top six aspirant club in the championship going for promotion. So in that context, then it's not a huge surprise that they're probably going to bounce back down again and hopefully with a view to going in again next season, as tough as that will be. Absolutely. I I think... I don't think there's too many Norwich fans that would dispute the fact that a lot of the decisions are being made for the right reasons at the football club and certainly off the pitch the direction the club is moving in is is honourable in a lot of ways in the way they're trying to be sustainable and and, and, and make sense in, in many different ways the the messaging has been totally consistent from, from Stuart, from Daniel, from the club for as soon as they got promoted it was in sort of ultra-realism hasn't it and I just wonder and I'm saying this in hindsight now, really, because I wasn't saying it at the start of the season, um, to be perfectly honest. But now that we're, we're, we're reaching this point, I just wonder whether constantly saying it was a miracle that we did it with this group of players, um, that you know we climbed Everest, whether that actually had a bit of a negative impact on the mentality on some of the players and hasn't empowered them in maybe the way that Chris Wilder has done in terms of mm. it's felt more like that they're on an adventure to prove people wrong whereas Norwich have just maybe been a little bit too uber realistic and that has maybe grounded things a little bit too much and, and killed a little bit of the uh, yeah of the adventure the the big thing for me is that Daniel and Stuart are on contracts until 2022 if they manage which is not easy as many many clubs have found before as Norwich have found before they manage to shake off the hangover from relegation they manage to get a squad together that can bounce straight back they get back in the Premier League in what will be a healthy financial situation then or relative to this current situation because they will have a bit more money to spend they will be able to come up in a more positive way should they manage to both keep Norwich in the Premier League in 2022 Daniel can go off to Dortmund because he's left Norwich in the top half of the Premier League Stuart can disappear off to Spain or whatever all the fans will wish them goodbye hopefully the expansion of Carrow Road is on the horizon that has got to be the sort of dream if that doesn't happen if they can't manage that they stay in the Championship next year and everything falls apart which would be really sad to see given the journey that we've been on this last couple of years and, and, and the way we've seen things unfold then the questions are going to turn back to the boardroom aren't they and and fans are going to ask whether it's possible in the current English game to become established in the Premier League as a self-funded club because the only example we've really got to turn to is Burnley 
and Norwich are the antithesis of Burnley in terms of playing style on the pitch. They've done it because they have done it in an old school way. They've played long ball football. They've got big defenders. They bash their way to points week in, week out. They're not trying to play continental stylish football. So it's a real sort of crossroads, turning point, whatever analogy you want to put on it. And it's going to be a really interesting year on from here. Although I am talking as if they've gone down, <laughs> which we, we're not allowed to do officially yet. Yeah. But based on what we saw on Sunday, you, you kind of have to a bit. Yeah, I, uh, in complete agreement. I, I think what I would add is that it's, it's perfectly okay as a supporter. I, th- I think it's it's a unique situation in many ways because it's it's perfectly okay to be proud and, and be happy with the way they've tried to do things this year and that how they have tried to break conventions and equally to look up at Sheffield United and to feel a bit envious and to say, well, that's, that's the way it could have gone, that's the way perhaps that it should have gone um, had this have been done or that have been done and, and equally you can, you can look in the other direction and, and look down in Suffolk and the way that things are going there and, and it'd be <laughs> equally boastful about that and they probably fall into the category of, of club that, that Paddy described earlier oh, we will in November when, it, when they're 10 yeah. years unbeaten <laughs> <laughs> exactly we well will. hopefully that yeah. could still be tested couldn't it <laughs> if Ipswich come up and Norwich go down we'll probably have a derby before then anyway I digress <laughs> well exactly but uh, I think that's that's perfectly acceptable because even though it, the likelihood is they're going to get relegated and as you said earlier the possibility in, in the office that they could be the worst Norwich City side in the Premier League there's, there's a lot of positivity to take from this season still they have for the most part played fairly well they've been competitive in the majority of games perhaps Molyneux Anfield and Old Trafford aside uh, maybe Villa at home as well um, and, and so you, I think supporters can be proud at what they're doing and what they're trying to do but yeah it does raise further questions I think about the ownership and and stuff but for me I, I'll certainly park that until we see them either respond well it depends on how they respond to go down but certainly if they come back up and the same situation happens again then I think certainly those questions will be asked um, and, and equally it could go the other way and they could go down and it's, the championship is, is an impossible it's a really difficult league to get out of one of the toughest in, in world football and, and if they do manage to, to bounce back up and, and they do manage to replicate the path that, that Burnley forged then I think that for everyone involved would be a massive achievement and, and a massive, um, yeah, a massive achievement. They can feel proud of that. And if the if the club is in the situation that you outlined um, when when Weber and, and, and Farker, if they do decide to leave, um, if there is in that situation, then I think it proves it can be done. And I think that it, it will certainly set a mould for other clubs to follow and, and we sort of saw that a little bit at the start of the year when clubs were embarking with new coaches on different projects only to ditch them halfway through so they are trying to do something completely different I think as Stuart said they, they haven't got everything right they were never going to get everything right particularly after the success of last season they were probably due a few recruitment errors which we've seen this year if they come back they're going to have a, if, they, if they persist with Daniel Farker which um, the likelihood they would if, if they did bounce back from the championship absolutely they would then they're going to have a coach who's, who's had one season in the Premier League they're going to have a sporting director who's been in the Premier League as well so they, they're only going to be stronger for that experience and uh, as Paddy said I think Norwich fans on the whole in, in terms of the direction of travel in terms of who they've got at the helm are very pleased with it I think it's just a tad disappointing uh, uh, what we've seen on the pitch but that's that's football I guess and it's never guaranteed and, and you said about terminology I, I think you're right I, f- I think they, they have been perhaps a bit safe with it um, a little bit 
grateful, maybe a bit too grateful to be where they are. Um, if they want to become a top 26 club, then then they have to embrace that. And, and that means tackling the Premier League at one point to try and progress it because there's only going to be a certain amount of time, as with any football fan, that you accept your club being somewhere before you want them to progress. That's the nature of football and it is so short term. But now I think if, if they do go down, and we have to keep saying if they do, but the likelihood is they will, um, then I think the next two years are going to be the real test of, of this project and, and how they view the long-term future at Norwich City. They'll go and beat Leicester now, won't they? Yeah, probably. <laughs> for all that we've been said, for all the gnashing of teeth in real life and online, <laughs> they'll go and do it. Because they'll, they'll the players are probably going to be really wound up by everything they've heard uh, <laughs> They're going to hate us, <laughs> Well, I mean, that, I, I'm sure the players don't listen to uh, the podcast. Uh, well, I would just... I kind of hope that they don't in a way because they shouldn't really, should they? They should get in be... touch, Emmy. Get in touch. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Sure, you will. Um, <laughs> yeah, that that would just be a real cat among the pigeons, wouldn't it? But um, you never know. Football's a funny old game. Thank you very much, chaps. Um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, the Pink and YouTube channel is probably the best place to go if you want to catch up on any of the stuff we've mentioned. That's Stuart Webber, exclusive interview, Tim Close, a lot more, and of course, pinkand.com for all the latest Norwich City news and views. Thank you very much for listening. We'll catch up with you very soon. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.